Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Come on, he's never lost before. He's never going to lose now. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 2,000 2000 years ago, death thought he had won the battle. 2,000 years ago, the devil thought he had won the battle. Come on. 2,000 years ago, the enemy thought that he had won. But apparently, Jesus, who was no fan of lockdowns or social isolation, three days later, three days later, come on, he came out of that grave, amen. Let's give God a praise in this house. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, mighty God. Amen, amen, amen. God is good. Why don't you turn around and shake the hands of one of your neighbors. Tell them it's good to see them in church today. Amen. Hallelujah. He never lost a battle. And he never will. Amen. He never will. I want to welcome each of you here today on this Easter Sunday. Thank you for being here. You could have been anywhere today. But you've chosen to be with us at Life Church. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And on such a beautiful day, what a great way to start your Easter at church. Amen. Last year, we weren't able to have church on Easter Sunday, so it makes this year even better, doesn't it? Amen. I was driving to church this morning, and I passed a couple of churches that apparently were still shut down. And all I can tell you is I'm just glad Life Church ain't shut down on Easter Sunday. Amen. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 12. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 12. If this is your first time visiting at Life Church, my name is Buddy Thompson. I'm the pastor here, and it is great to have you here. I am so excited to have you here. It's also good to see some familiar faces that I hadn't seen in a while, and it's good to have everybody here today. We were joking earlier, uh, it's good to have Major Dandridge here from the Hanover Sheriff's Department, a friend of mine. We, in the first service, we had Hanover deputies, Henrico deputies, Ashland, we had um, Chesterfield, and I thought this would be a really bad day for somebody to try to come up in live church and stir something up. And then if they did and it got real messy, we've even got a Richmond City firefighter here who could clean it all up for us. <laughs> so it's good to see everybody in church today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12 says, But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. 
And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. And you are still guilty of your sins. It said if Christ hasn't been raised, our faith is useless. Our preaching is useless. Coming to church is useless. And so that's why I want to preach today on this subject. The resurrection still matters. The resurrection still matters. Amen. Now, what is Easter? What does it represent? See, it really depends on who you ask. Because today's a day that many people are going to get up, go to church. They're going to have dinner with family and friends. For school kids, it usually comes around spring break. I think Hanover's break starts tomorrow. Uh, they used to call it Easter break when I was a kid. That'll tell you how old I am. Amen. And, and some people, though, don't really understand what the day means at all, and it's just another holiday on a calendar to them. For some, they only know Easter as uh, with its, from its secular roots, the, the holiday of colored eggs and bunny rabbits and, and jelly beans. And as tasty as chocolate bunnies are, as tasty as jelly beans are, None of that is really what Easter's all about. And by the way, I'm not here today to debate with anybody about the origins of the holiday or what the pagans used to do or didn't do. The truth of the matter is most of our holidays, traditions have some questionable origins. So that's not what we're here to talk about. But to most of us and to many people around the world, Easter represents an event that supersedes all of that. The Easter holiday that we are observing today is the celebration of the victory of Jesus Christ at the cross and at an empty tomb. Amen? Easter is our chance to thank Him for the death, the burial, and the resurrection that have set us free. And without question, it is because of the cross that we find forgiveness of our sins, freedom from our past, and our power for living and overcoming life day by day. And as we celebrate Easter Sunday on this beautiful day, I want to remind you that the cross was not a mistake and the resurrection still matters. The cross was not some grievous error on the historical record of mankind. It was not a dark day that had no eternal purpose. The cross gave birth to an eternal promise, and that promise is in effect today because the resurrection makes a difference. Amen. Over a billion people will celebrate Easter all around the world this weekend. And how is it that something that happened over 2,000 years ago is still celebrated by so many today? What does it mean? George Gallup did a, a recent survey that revealed 42% of Americans say that the meaning of Easter was the resurrection of Jesus or that it signified Christ's death and return to life. Only one out of every 50 adults, so only 2%, would describe Easter as the most important holiday of their faith. Rasmussen, uh, they did a Rasmussen report, and they found that 78% of Americans believe Christ was raised from the dead, 10% don't believe it, and 11% are not sure. Evangelical Christians, overwhelmingly, 97% of them believe in the resurrection, along with 87% of Catholics, 86% of other Protestant groups. Just less than half of the people who rarely or never attend church believe that Christ rose from the dead. 
Now, why is there so many different opinions about the resurrection? Well, now, I don't know about you, but I can understand why maybe a non-believer may have their doubts or may be skeptical. But what about the people that say they're Christians? That one statistic really baffled me. The 3% of evangelicals that don't believe, the 13% of Catholics that didn't believe, the 14% of other Protestant groups. How do you identify as a Christian and you don't believe in the resurrection? See, the Apostle Paul addressed this very issue in our text. Paul knew that if Christ had not resurrected, then preaching, going to church, our entire faith was empty. Because if there was no resurrection, there would be no forgiveness of sins. But thank God it happened. Amen. He did die. He did rise again. His resurrection is a fact. It was not done in secret. The whole city of Jerusalem knew about it. Eventually the entire Roman Empire found out about it. Folks, it was breaking news back then. If CNN and Fox had been around, they would have been streaming it live. There were at least 15 historical references to Jesus meeting people, touching people, talking with people after his death. One time he cooked breakfast for some people. One time he talked to about 500 people after he had risen from the dead. A lot of people saw him. But even if it did happen, what does that have to do with us? What does it mean? The resurrection still matters because it verifies several things. Let me just quickly share a couple of them with you. For example, the resurrection verifies that Jesus is who he claimed to be. Amen. John 11 and verse 25 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. You see, Jesus made a lot of outrageous claims like that. He made a lot of claims that people thought were crazy. Jesus said things like, I'm God. I'm the truth. I'm the only way to heaven. One time he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I'm the Savior of the world. See, a lot of people tried to just make Jesus out to be a good teacher. But you know what? When a good teacher starts calling himself God, you might start scratching your head a little bit, right? See, one day, Jesus cleared out the money changers from the temple. They had turned the temple into something almost like a flea market. And, and he went in, and he drove them all out, and they said, they said to him, what right do you have to do this? And you know what he said? I'm paraphrasing. He said, because I'm God. And then they said, well, why don't you prove it to us? He said, I will. As a matter of fact, after you kill me, I'm going to come back to life three days later. And he claimed to be God, and his resurrection backs up what he claimed to be. John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, folks, that's a pretty strong claim. He said, I'm the way. He didn't say, I'm one of the ways. He didn't say, I'm a good way. He didn't say, I am one of a multiplicity of choices of ways. Jesus said, I am the way. Now, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but let me just make something clear to you. When people tell you all roads get to heaven, it might sound nice, but it's just not true. Can I get a little help in the house today? Amen. See, that, that's like me saying I could dial any phone number and my wife is going to answer. Matter of fact, I can dial her number and I don't even know if she's going to answer. Amen? It would be like me just punching in a random 10 digits and expecting 
for her to answer the phone. That's just not realistic, is it? Jesus said there's not a bunch of different ways you're going to get to heaven. He said there's only one way to the Father, there's only one way to heaven, and that's through me. That's through me. He says I'm the way, I'm the truth. That means any other way is not the truth other than him. He claimed to be God. He said, no one can come to God except by me. And did you know even people that say they don't believe in Jesus Christ, they use him as a reference point every day? Every single day. Every time you write a check, every time you sign a contract, every time you look at your calendar. You got up today, you looked on your phone, it said April 4, 2021. 2021 years from what? Did you know Jesus split all of history? Into B.C. and A.D., I used to think A.D. means after death. It actually is a Latin word. It means anno domini, which means in the year of our Lord. Did you know all around the world, our calendar is marked by the birth of Jesus Christ? 2021, 2021 years from the birth of Christ, give or take a few days. Amen. What am I trying to say? Every time someone refers to a date, Jesus is the reference point. You see, his resurrection still matters also because Jesus did have the power that he claimed to have. Amen? He said, all power on earth and in heaven is given to me. And because he was God, he could do everything that God could do. Amen? Jesus, all power, all power. You know it's April when we started with the heat on this morning, and now the air conditioning is on. I kid you not, amen? <laughs> we started with heat, now we're on AC, amen? See, the Romans killed him. They put him in a tomb. They put the big stone in front of the tomb. They sealed it with the Roman seal. They posted a 24-hour guard. But you know what? They were just trying to prevent the inevitable. They were trying to stop the unstoppable because Jesus had all the power in the world. He said, they can't stop me. I can give my life away, and I can take it up again. Jesus even knew what was coming, and he let it happen anyway. By the way, I want to make sure you understand, the devil didn't sneak up on Jesus and get him crucified. He wishes he was that clever, amen? The devil didn't do some, have some master plan that he thought. No, no, no. Listen to what Jesus said about himself. He's speaking in the third person. Mark chapter 10, verse 33. Jesus said, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man, in other words, me, Jesus, will be betrayed to the leading priest and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die and hand him over to the Romans. Look, check it out. They will mock him, spit on him flog him with a whip, and kill him, but after three days he will rise again. Now, if that was me or you, when we were on our way to Jerusalem, as soon as we got close, we would have took a side road. I would have said, you know what? The closer I get to this plan, the less I like it. <laughs> the closer I get to this idea, the less I like it. And by the way, I'm not going to talk about this today, but Jesus actually had one of those moments too. In the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Father, if there's any other way, you can let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way we could do this, that would be all right with me. But nevertheless, whatever your will is, that I will do. So Jesus knew. 
The cross was no surprise to him. They didn't take him by surprise. It was all a part of God's plan. And since he was God in the flesh, he knew what was coming. Amen. So, what if Jesus, so what if he was who he said he was? What does that mean to me? Anno Domini 2021, in the year of our Lord 2021, Richmond, Virginia, what does that mean to me right now? It's the reason we celebrate today. And let me just tell you a few reasons real quickly before we turn you loose out of here today why the resurrection still matters to you and I. Are you ready? Number one, the resurrection still matters because my past can be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. And folks, hear me, that's some really good news. Have you ever been halfway through a project and wished you could just start all over again? Anybody? I know I have. Like painting a bedroom or, or planting a garden or working on a project, whatever it is. I play golf, but I'm not, I'm not very good at it. It's been a few years since I've played. I haven't played since my back surgery in 2018, but I'm going back out on the golf course this year. I can't wait. Amen. Any takers, if you need, if, yeah, let's go. Let's have some fun. Do not come expecting a good round, though. Amen. See, and because I'm a very much an amateur, we have something in our game called the mulligan. Now, the reason you've never heard of it with the pros is because it doesn't actually exist in the real game of golf. A mulligan is when you hit the ball off the tee box really bad and you get a do-over. Now, so amateurs don't feel so much like an amateur, we actually act like it's a rule. Oh, you only get one mulligan per nine, or you only get two mulligans in a round of 18. And, we, and it, what it is, the whole idea is you get on the tee box, and you swing, and if it's really bad, you get a do-over. And if you swing and it's really bad, and nobody was looking, you get two do-overs, amen. Well, that's another way to play golf, I won't go. But see, a mulligan is a do-over. It's a chance to try again without a penalty. You know, a lot of times I think we wish life was like that. God, could you please give me a mulligan for the last 10 years of my life? God, could you give me a mulligan over that dumb decision that I made? God, would you please give me a mulligan? Because of that relationship error, because of that financial blunder. God, could you please give me a mug? We have all done things that we wish we hadn't done. Can I just clear the table right now, amen? If you think you're in a room full of perfect people, you picked the wrong place. Because I think everybody in here will admit, we've all made some dumb mistakes, amen? amen. Capital D, U-M-B, amen. amen. We've all done it. We all feel bad about things. We all have guilt. For some folks, though, hear me, the guilt is killing them. And maybe you endured a, a painful divorce or some type of abuse, and you feel like you got to live the rest of your life that way. Maybe you feel like you've, you're stuck in the penalty box and you're never going to get out. And you can't get on with the present. You can't get on in the future because you're stuck in the past. Something has you tied down. Some people say, I guess I'm just going to have to live this way the rest of my life. I want you to hear me clearly today. Jesus went to the cross to give us a lifetime of mulligans. Amen. Amen. Jesus went to the cross 
so that we could start fresh. Matter of fact, I want you to look what Ephesians 1 and 7 says about him. It says, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. That's how awesome he is. He is so rich in kindness and grace. I'm glad that verse didn't say he's so rich in justice and vengeance. He's so rich in anger and hostility. He's so rich in remembering and punishing. No, he's so rich in kindness and grace. Until you get it right. And then when you go to the next tee box, until you get it right. You see, because of his blood, my sins can be forgiven. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter what your economic status is. We all can be forgiven and covered. You see, the motive of the cross was not discriminatory. It was not just for a select few. It is a forgiveness that's been offered to every person. God loves us and he wants to forgive us. Our past can be forgiven. That's why the resurrection still matters. Amen. See, it's hard for you and I to remember or really appreciate how his forgiveness works. It's hard for us because of our human nature. We seek revenge for wrongs. Or at a minimum, we at least have a hard time letting go of stuff and we like to hold grudges. Our fallen nature has inherent within it the desire to return evil for evil, bitterness for bitterness, hatred for hatred. But you know what? Jesus came to release us from that. Amen. To renew our hearts in mercy so that forgiveness can flow into us and even out of us. Forgiveness cancels the debt that we owe. And by forgiveness, you and I get another opportunity. We get a chance to begin again. When he forgives us, he covers our sins in his blood, never to be revealed again. Amen. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, God can forgive you. He can cover you. <clears throat> you do it, and he can do it because of Calvary. Psalm 32 and verse 1 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. See, at the foot of the cross, the unclean can be made white as snow. The guilty can be declared innocent. The outcast can be reconciled. Your past was nailed to the cross with Jesus. Hallelujah. He paid for our guilt. And you know what? That means I don't have to pay for it. Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross so that we could quit nailing ourselves to the cross. He wants to forgive your past. Amen. He wants to give you a clear conscience, just knowing that you're free from all of the guilt of the things that have gone wrong. See, you don't have to carry that load of guilt around. You can walk out of here today, hear me, knowing that every single thing you've ever done wrong up until this point is completely forgiven. I want that to just resonate with you for a moment. You can walk out of here and lay every care at the feet of Jesus. Now, other people may not be so gracious. Other people may like to keep score. Other people may try to, try to do things and, and hold it against you. Amen. But Jesus does not do that. Jesus did not come to rub it in. He came to rub it out. Hallelujah. He said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. 
He wants to change you. He wants to help you. He wants to give you a new beginning, a clear conscience. The resurrection still matters, not only because my past can be forgiven, but also so that my present can make sense. Amen? So much of life is unmanageable or unpredictable. Sometimes things happen that just don't make sense. I've learned that being mature is when you finally figure out that you don't have it all figured out. Amen? See, maturity is when you realize that you can't manage all that life is going to send you by yourself, but God can. Amen? I can't control everything in my life, but God can. So I want to be connected with him and let him control it and ask him for help. I talk to people all the time, and so often I hear some version of this. My life is out of control, or I feel powerless to change this situation, or I feel powerless to break this bad habit, or, or things just don't make sense. See, what you and I need is a power greater than yourself. We were never meant to live this life just on our own power. God wants to have a relationship with you. The same power that enabled Jesus to rise from the dead will help you to rise above your problems. Amen. The same power that God used at the resurrection time 2,000 years ago can be used in your life right now. Amen. You see, we don't know what the future holds. None of us do. I don't know either. I don't know what's going to happen next year, next month, next week. We don't even really know what's going to happen tomorrow. You say, well, I've got plans for tomorrow. Yes, you do, but you don't know, and I don't know. But here's what I do know, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Amen. I'm glad that that verse didn't say I can do some things. I can do select things. I can do things when I've got everything together. See, no matter how hopeless your situation is, God wants to tell somebody here today, don't give up. No problem is too big. That's why the resurrection matters in your life. I can do all things through Christ. And the resurrection matters because my past can be forgiven, my present can make sense, and finally, because my future can be secure. I want the praise team and musicians to come on up. One day, we're all going to face death. I'm going to die someday, and so are you. And only a fool would go through all of life unprepared for something that we all know is, in, is inevitable. It's going to come. See, it just doesn't make sense. Sometimes we get so busy in the here and now that we don't stop to think about what's going to come. People do not like to talk about death, do they? I, I can prove it to you. I want you to, uh, here's an experiment I want you to do. Invite all your friends over to come over tonight and serve them some coffee and some pie, and then say, let's all plan our funerals, and you watch what happens. <laughs> They're going to be, uh, no thank you. I'm out of here. Nobody like, people don't like to talk about death. They asked some children to write some sentences about what they believed about death, and I love what some of the kids said. Gilda, age eight, she said this. When you die, they put you in a box and bury you in the ground because you don't look too good. Stephanie, age nine, said this, doctors help you so you won't die until you pay their bill. <laughs> Marsha, age nine, said, when you die, you don't have to do homework in heaven unless your teacher is up there too. <laughs> and Raymond, age 10, this one's pretty good. He said, a good doctor can help you so you won't die. A bad doctor sends you straight to heaven. <laughs> See, guys, the fact is, 
everybody has this deep internal longing to know what's going to happen to me after I die. See, it's obvious that we're going to spend more time on that side of eternity than on this side. Here in life, you might be blessed with 50, 60, 70, 80 years. Who knows what I'm going to be. Some people live to be 100. Some people's lives are cut short. But no matter how long you live, picture, picture a giant tape measure that would stretch out from one end of this room to the other. And then you go down all the way to the end, and you hold your finger on it in one little place, and that represents your entire lifespan. And then there's all of this eternity. And then you stretch the tape measure out to the parking lot. And then you stretch it out to the road. And then you stretch it out to the interstate. And then you stretch it out to Ashland and to Fredericksburg and to D.C. and Baltimore, New York. Then you stretch it out all the way to Canada. And then you wrap it around the world. Then you wrap it around again and again and again. And you're still over here holding that little teeny inch. And that's your life. And all the rest of it is, is eternity. And we don't think about all of that. We're just so caught up in that one little inch that we call life. But we need to be prepared. Heaven's going to be a perfect place. Total love, total peace, total joy, total perfection. No sin, no mistakes, no evil, no bad, no errors. It's perfect in every way. It's a perfect place. And check this out though, but in order for us to get to heaven, we would have had to be perfect and that would have left all of us out. So Jesus came and he died for our sins. A Christian is not somebody who accepts a religion. A Christian is somebody who develops a relationship with Jesus. Amen? See, a lot of people are trying different ways to get to heaven. Some people try salvation by sincerity. Doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Just stop and think that one through for a minute. See, you can be sincerely wrong. You're not going to make it just by being sincere. There's some people who think you're going to get to heaven by, by service or by good works. I do all these good things. I'm going to work my way there. That, that doesn't work either. Some people try subtraction or salvation by subtraction. You give up a bunch of things and then you think if you give up enough stuff, then you get to go to heaven. I don't drink, smoke, cuss, or chew. I don't run with those who do. Nope, that's not going to get you there either. Amen. See, because you don't get a relationship based on what you do and what you don't do. Thank God for that, by the way. Amen. Then there's people who think they're going to get to heaven by rituals. I get baptized, and that guarantees me a spotter. I join a church, and that's going to make me a Christian. Let me ask you a question. If you join the Lions Club, do you become a lion? No. Joining a church doesn't make you a Christian. Why don't you stand with me right now? How about salvation by heritage? Well, my mom was a Christian. My dad was a Christian. My grandma was a Christian. My, my grandpa was a Christian. My last name is Christian. I dated a guy named Jesus. No, not, none of that. You don't get in by names. You don't get in by, by family connections. doesn't matter who you know. None of that matters. What about salvation by comparison? Well, I'm better than so-and-so. 
Well, you know what? The truth is, all of us are better than some people, but not nearly as good as others. So that doesn't work either. So what does work? Let me just read some passages to you from the Word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. One time Jesus was asked by somebody in the book of John, John chapter 3, they said, how, how, do I, how am I supposed to get to heaven? Jesus replied, he said, I tell you the truth, John 3 and verse 3, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Notice there's no mention there of your good works or your good name or what grandma or grandpa did. You've got to make a relationship for yourself. On the day of Pentecost, the birthday of the church, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Peter preached to them the message of the gospel. He told them all about who Jesus was and how he was the Messiah and how they had crucified him. And in Acts 2.37, they said, well, what are we supposed to do? And then Peter said this in Acts 2.38, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then I love this passage, last one, for 1 John 1, 6 through 9. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we're lying and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood, here it is, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And by the way, if you say you have no sin, verse 8, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And here it is again in verse 9, I love it. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a lot of other verses I could share, but we repent of our sins and we confess Him as Lord and Savior in our lives and we become born again of the water and the Spirit. We endeavor to walk in the light as Jesus is the light. Folks, the resurrection still matters. Because on this beautiful Easter Sunday, my past can be forgiven, my present can make sense, and my eternity can be secured through Jesus. So I want to open this altar here in just a moment. By the way, at Life Church, we have something we call an altar call. It's not high pressure, but we like to give people an opportunity to respond to the message if you feel led to do so. So I'm going to open up this altar in a moment and I'm going to invite you to come forward and you can respond to what you've heard today. Number one, if you're not a believer, I invite you to do what the scripture says. Confess the Lord, confess your sins, repent of your sins and invite Christ to come into your life and begin that new journey with Him today. Amen? Maybe you're already a believer. Maybe you've done that. You've never been baptized. We can baptize you in water today. We, I, I know of one at least that's going to be baptized at the conclusion of this service. Amen. Maybe you're already a believer, but you've never been baptized with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual empowerment that a lot of believers have never yet experienced. God can do that for you today. Or maybe you've already experienced all of that, but you just need to take another moment and step out and say, you know what, God? I need to reconnect and reestablish my relationship with you. Because your resurrection still matters in my life. 
So as the praise team begins to sing, I'm going to open up this altar and invite you to come. Just step out from where you are and make that brand new connection to the Lord. Could you do that? Let's do that together in Jesus' name. Would you come? This altar is open.